Welcome to the Flyover Ministry Podcast, a practical youth ministry podcast for small church leaders by small church leaders. We are grateful that you have joined us for our journey through ministry-related topics that we hope help equip and encourage you as you serve Jesus wherever you are. to the podcast i'm dan and i'm nephi i'm just kidding no it's still me jordan and this is flyover ministry the well maybe nephi doesn't have any dad <laughs> jokes so maybe we want nephi to stick around but oh <laughs> oh zing. that's harsh that is harsh <laughs> the main conflicts with christianity is what we're talking about today as we continue to look at mormonism and Jordan, I uh, admit that we've been kind of hinting at this the last two episodes. We were really chomping on the bit last week as we recorded this. But uh, we're going to talk about Mormonism in light of Christianity. And we really just want to pick a lot of the main theological points that we talked about last week and view them from the lens of Scripture, you know, what we already know to be true from the Bible. And... um, You know, I think I'm going to start off here and and just kind of continue to come back to Galatians 1, uh, verse 9. Paul's writing to this church and says, I say again what we've said before. If anyone preaches any other gospel than the one you received, let that person be accursed. And the reminder here that scripture is the book that Christians look at. As we look at what it means to follow Jesus, to be disciples, we recognize the supremacy and uh, the uniqueness of Scripture that it stands alone as our source of life, as our source of truth. And as we look at Christianity, we keep that in the forefront that we remind ourselves that uh, how are people saved? Jesus Christ died for our sins, risen again, and will come back one day. And we place our faith and our trust and our hope in that gospel. So. Jordan, I'm going to turn it over to you here and just kind of let you pick away, pick your own adventure story. Uh, do you go into the cave, turn to page four? Flip, 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 flip. Oh, it turns out we're... <laughs> well, I mean... Did you ever yeah. make your way through one of those books, like a pick your own adventure book? Yeah, yeah. I kind of was a little distracted by it, that format, but I, I had mm. a few of them. I mean, the reason I made that reference, though, is really because you can pick any of the things that we talked about last episode. And we have something to talk about this episode because there are conflicts, right? And, and I want the listener to understand, too, that when we're talking about conflicts with Christianity, I think we do need to say that we are talking about Orthodox historic Christianity. So um, Orthodox, not like Russian Orthodox necessarily, but just we want to recognize that we're talking about the Christianity that has existed, that still aligns with the Apostles' Creed and stuff, because we know that the term Christianity today is so broad and so many people claim it as their own like the mormons um so as we're looking at this um some real quick ones dan you kind of even referred to this uh from scripture the gospel that we have if anyone accepts another gospel they are to be accursed and we see clearly from what we talked about last time very divergent truth claims than what we have uh within Mm. biblical christianity so i'm going to start with who is god because I think that's really foundational. If you remember last week, we talked about them 
uh, mentioning God was once uh, a person just like us, even to the point where they made the claim that God was Adam, who was also the archangel um, Michael. So we have some some challenges with that, you know, uh, <laughs> both being God and Michael and Adam, uh, three people and three very different people in scripture. Um, but the main thing that I want to p- touch on is that unlike their claim that God was once a spirit baby of some other God, which would mean then that there is a higher power than God, uh, mm-hmm. we would say that the God of Scripture, and I, I would think we could even say that Scripture proclaims that the God of Scripture is the one true God. So if mm-hmm. there were even other gods, he would be the God of gods. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. There is no one who is his equal. He is it. Um, and we look into the attributes of God, too. Uh, they, if, if God was once like us, that means that God was at once non-existent and was created or existed as like a spirit mm-hmm. embryo, right? Um, to eventually attain the form of Godhead that we would recognize him as now would be their claim. Uh, yeah. But scripture teaches that God is eternal, past, present, and future. He is outside of creation. He's not bound by it. He is something totally else. He is the reason for everything that we have. Um, and if he wasn't, if he was a part of the creation, he would no longer be the supreme being. There would be something greater than God. Um, but scripturally, or, we see yeah. that God is the supreme being who we worship. Right. And I would counter, even if he was the supreme being of this universe, he wouldn't be one worth worshiping. Right. You yeah. would want to worship the, the being that actually had all of the power. Um, so right there, we have the issue um, of who is God? What we confess in the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, even the Athanasian Creed. If you really want a good long read, go ahead and read the Athanasian Creed. I think that's the best creed that we have that actually talks about the distinctions of the Trinity. Mm-hmm. But you know, just thinking of the Nicene Creed, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible. And in that, you have our basic fundamental belief of who is God. He's the creator. Nothing higher, nothing, uh, everything else lower. Always existing from before time began. And in God, right, we have the three persons of the Godhead. You have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So, Jordan, yeah, who is Jesus when it comes to Orthodox Christianity? Yeah, so Jesus is not a creation of God the Father, was not uh, impregnated by angel human sexual experience, but Jesus is the second person of the Trinity who existed just as God did because Jesus is God, uh, existed eternity past, meaning he was involved. We see scriptural references to Jesus being involved in the creation. We look at John 1. Um, he is the word of God, and we look at how creation happened. It was the word of God. Um, so we see Jesus involved in that. So he is before being born from Mary, not just as like a spirit embryo waiting to arrive, like our equal, but he is mm-hmm. unique in that he is God. Um, Even again, the Christophanies in the Old Testament that are widely accepted, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you have the pre-incarnate Christ there. You have God visiting Abram. Uh, you have different instances where uh, I saw somebody uh, somebody was making a pretty compelling case that before Joshua conquers 
uh, Jericho, before he goes and lays siege to it, that he's visited by the pre-incarnate Christ as the commander of the Lord's armies, right? So you have Jesus existing at creation as well, right? God, God says, let us make man in our image. He's not talking to the animals and the birds and the fish he just created. He's talking to himself, uh, the three in one uh, persons that we recognize with the Godhead. So uh, continue on, Jordan. Yeah. And so one thing that is interesting that you could maybe make a loose parallel with is that Jesus then at the right time took on flesh and was born of the Virgin Mary, not Mm -hmm. the deflowered Mary, but she was, he was supernaturally conceived by the involvement of the Holy Spirit. So we would recognize the Holy Spirit's involvement in that process to become man so that he could live the perfect life, who could um, do what no man could possibly do uh, to earn salvation for himself because he was perfect, uh, but then to give that to us, um, to pay our punishment, which we, all of my blood is not enough to cover all of my mess ups. I mean, certainly that's not the case with the holy, righteous God. Um, but Jesus so took I can, that upon I can't himself. come over there and shed your blood to. <laughs> Ye, no, please don't. I mean, that's... you could, but that's not going to be enough atonement. So, um, yeah. And so Jesus then died and he was killed, innocent, uh, dead in the ground separated from God the Father, and then resurrected himself from the dead and lives eternally forevermore and will come back with uh, judgment. So that they got that judgment piece right. Jesus will come back in judgment. But it's going not to be everybody gets in. Uh, it's going to be everybody who has their faith in Christ will have the righteousness of Christ be applied to them. But everyone will bow their knee. Not just those who believe. Everyone will bow their knee. Um, and recognize him as Lord. So we recognize Jesus as as God who he is, um, scripturally too. And again, the Christology that we can present in sync with all these other theological truths in 20-some minutes is very minimal. So <laughs> accept that too. Um, but that leads us to the Holy Spirit. So Dan, take the Holy Spirit. What do we believe about that? Well, we believe the uh, the Holy Spirit is our advocate, our helper, as Jesus instructs his disciples and uh, teaches them and encourages them from the Gospel of John. Right? It's for our benefit that Jesus leaves, because if he didn't leave, he wouldn't send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the third person in the Godhead who um, proceeds from the Father and the Son, uh, who with the Father and Son together is worshipped and glorified, spoke by the prophets. You, you, if this sounds like the Nicene Creed, it's because it is, right? So this is what we believe about the Holy Spirit. He is our teacher. He is the one who convicts us of sin. Um, I remember what uh, our good friend and teacher and uh, colleague now in ministry, Dr. Phil Haugen, said in our doctrine class, in, in seminary and in our Bible colleges. Um, if you want to think about it this way, Uh, He's the shy person of the Trinity, uh, where his role is to point us to Jesus. When we see our flaws, when we see our fallen nature, he is the one who is showing us that through the power of the law that he was active in part of as the, the Old Testament is being written. And as the New Testament is being written, when we're convicted of sin, that's the Holy Spirit alive and at work in our hearts, drawing us to repent of our sins and to believe the gospel and to rely on the sacrifice of Jesus. 
so you know, <laughs> when I start getting discouraged, Jordan, I'll admit to you here that uh, when things really start looking hopeless, when the world seems to be falling apart more than normal uh, on a standard day, I just kind of sit back and remind myself, well, it's, you know, it's a good thing we still have the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus promises to be with us always to the end of the age. And we see that through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Uh, the Holy Spirit is alive and at work. He is the one, uh, like when you share your faith, when you point out sins in people's hearts, that is not you convicting people of their sin. That's you pointing out and saying, Jesus died for that sin. Uh, but that's not you convincing them to believe the gospel. That's you being the message bearer. And through the message bearer, the Holy Spirit works and brings people to that repentance. And, you know, it's, <laughs> we really need the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is still alive and active in the hearts of the church. Uh, and we see that through fellowship. We see that through the sacraments. We see that through the forgiveness of our sins and the hope that we have of eternal life. Thinking of what Paul writes in Ephesians, right? The Holy Spirit is the seal that promises, that guarantees us. It's kind of like um, getting your parking verified, that stamp that seals you for that promise, right? That guarantees this is what lies in store for you. This is who the Holy Spirit is. And I realized that I just did a whole lot of doctrine that could be unpacked in semesters worth of classes in just a little bit. But this Summarized is who we believe. Well by the parking He's... sticker. Right. <laughs> the Holy Spirit does cut the mustard. Go ahead. We want to recognize too that the Holy Spirit is indeed spirit just as God is spirit, which is another distinction because they would say that God was a physical person in Adam. um, And we would say that scripture does not teach that God ever was a human, but God has, is spirit. Um, Another distinction there too. Mm -hmm. So salvation, when we're talking about how people are saved, there are multiple verses in scripture that point us to how people are saved. Acts 16, 31 Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. Uh, uh, Romans, there's no, therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Uh, John, First uh, John 1, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Um, all, all of these other verses, and I'm sure, Jordan, you've got a handful that you can, uh, it's by faith that you are saved, it's by grace you are saved through faith, not of yourself, it's the gift of God, that's Ephesians 2. Um all of these verses are just really simple and compact and, and just very simply stated, reminding us of the promise that we have through Jesus, right? How are people saved? It's through Jesus. And it's in the Bible so many times because we have a tendency to forget or to try and add things to it like good works, which is what the Mormons try to do. They would say, yeah, through Jesus. Oh, and by the way, by doing everything else that you can physically possibly do. Now, there are, right, the salvation is accompanied by works as Christians. We would admit that. There's a whole book called James that you should take a read through. And we would recognize that works there are in response to our salvation. They are what, they're, they're what proceeds from us because of what Jesus has done. They are not to try and help or to aid Jesus in forgiving our sins. They are... We, they are a response to so great a gift that we have been given. So when we look at something like the Sermon on the Mount, when we look at the Ten Commandments, what does it look like to follow Jesus? What does it look like to obey God? It looks like doing what he says, right? So 
there we have salvation. It's by grace, through faith, and because of that, we live out our lives through the power of the gospel, reminding ourselves that our sins are forgiven. And I think another aspect of salvation that's really important to to talk about is what are we being saved from? So mm. I, I will confess that based on the little study of that I did of the uh, Mormon theology here, I don't think I have a really good grasp on what Mormons would believe they're saved from. I think we mm. could look back and we could say, hey, I am saved from hell because this is an eternal damnation uh, apart from God's presence where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth for eternity where the worm will not die. It does not sound pleasant. Um, and, and I know that that is a huge thing. But if we, as we talked about, there was like all those levels of, of heaven, right? That even the worst people were somehow connected with. And then like, like you said, so if we're Christians that reject the true church, quote unquote, of, of Mormonism, um, we would at least get to the second level. So like, right. Yeah, that's a wager I guess I'd be willing to take. That's very very Dante. Yeah, very much. Um, So in that sense, I'm not exactly sure what they would say salvation is from. But but Mm. for for biblical Christianity, we would say that salvation is from our sin. That's that's a huge problem that we have, right? And so in a sense, too, we're saved from ourselves because we start as uh, broken people people who are in a relationship with God that is a relationship of wrath because of our sin. Right. Um, and we have no hope in, in fixing that ourselves. Our best that we have to offer, if we were to take Mormon theology and do everything we can, we are just going to be giving God a whole bunch of spoiled rags and dirty diapers and say, hey, you know, like that's, that's silly. Um, right. But the other side of that coin too is what are we saved to, which I think is really interesting because Mormon theology goes right back to the first sins that we see in the Garden of Eden. And we see then Adam and Eve being tempted by Satan to take the fruit so that they could be like God, right? And Mormon theology, their end goal, that highest celestial level of heaven, is that you can have this order of Melchizedek and become God, which I I don't know how they don't see that. Um we would say then scripturally eternity what we are saved to is an eternity living in the uninhibited presence of god being able to worship him as he rightly deserves he alone as the one worthy of worship without the encumberment without the brokenness of sin um he is our hope he is our joy and and that is what heaven is about is it's about him and so we would recognize this really big departure um, in, in the whole concept of salvation, both what we're saved from and what we're saved to. Yeah. Do you ever pause, Jordan, and just wonder, like, what heaven is going to be like? Like, we, we know, like, the, the element of being, and I think you really just nailed it on the head with what we're saved to with eternal life and what heaven is going to be like, that perfect fellowship and the worship of God. But, like, what's... What's it going to look like, like the picture of us? Do you ever just kind of pause and think about it? I, I can confess that there have there has been definite development and growth over my life in this area. Mm. When I was a kid, um, I was focused on like the new heavens and the new earth and thinking about just like what 
cool, crazy thing. Kind of like, you know, God's making a mansion for me. And I wonder if mine's going to include like a roller coaster that's not going to have a line. You know, that'd be awesome or whatever. Um, so it was very much based on like what I would like, right? Mm. Um, but as I've grown, uh, I've grown to appreciate more of who God is that, you know, just we cannot even begin to fathom what a relationship with God without the brokenness of sin getting in the way would be like. Right. Right. Um, and so that's been really appealing, but there's also this other thing too about that new earth. And what does that mean when we have Mm -hmm. this, this whole world that has been created by God in his goodness for us, that's not been broken by sin that we get to enjoy because he likes to see us enjoy his good gifts. Um, and, and I, you know, as much as I, can think about these things i know that my best thoughts aren't scratching the surface of what it will really be i think i think we get a little hint of it as i read the bible a little uh, in john 21 when jesus invites the disciples to come have breakfast with them at the sea of galilee on the side it's like come have breakfast it's like i'm a breakfast guy so that appeals to me (laughs) but I, i think you have that fellowship over the meal, right, with somebody, and I just imagine just this beautiful day. The morning's just starting up; everything's starting to warm up, and here you've got food with Jesus in fellowship and just terrific harmony. You're just basking in the presence of being with your Lord and Savior, and I think that's just a beautiful picture to think about as well, right? But um, I think we're gonna tie the bow on this episode, and I, unless you had other things that you wanted to touch on. Two things that we'll we'll cover really quick that were kind of yes. at the front end last time. We'll, we'll rear end it here. Um, the first one being, you know, obviously we did talk a lot of our, our teaching here and beliefs about theology are coming from Scripture. And so we did cover this a little bit. There, there's a huge difference between the Book of Mormon and Scripture. Scripture, God breathed, inspired by the Holy Spirit, stood the test of time. Um, it is, as we read in Revelation, like the final complete word in Revelation, right? There's nothing to be added to it. And then we look at the Book of Mormon and say, this is an addition. It's an addition that does not hold its weight. It does not stand mm-hmm. up to scrutiny. Uh, its foundations are questionable at the very best. And so that's a poor authority for our, our life. And then the second thing would be just that concept of priesthood. Really good. Because, uh, really quick, they, they talk about that last layer of celestial heaven would be the Melchizedekian priesthood or whatever. But when we look at scripture, we do see the order of Melchizedek, but we see that being perfectly and permanently fulfilled by Christ. That is not something that a man will ever attain to because Jesus is that fulfillment of that Melchizedekian priesthood, not some other person. And we would recognize then that we live in the reality of the priesthood of all believers. There's not layers, like you're not a better religious Christian priest than me. Um, before the cross, we are, we're equal. Um, and that's something that's impactful for heaven too, is that we are equally needy before a holy and righteous God and the blood of Christ equally covers our sin. And so we have nothing to boast of, nothing to brag about, um, nothing to differentiate us between one another. In Christ, we are one as we see in scripture. Um, and so, yeah, with that, we'll, we'll land the plane for this episode and, and just kind of wrap it up here. But I hope that this helps you see um, really, too, the, some of the beauty of, of our faith that sometimes we don't get to. You know, I think we could do better at dwelling on what eternally, eternity and salvation in Christ means for us. 
Um, but I also hope that this shows uh, some very big departures and clarifies to what we talked about, those big theological points. And uh, yeah, take it for what you will. Uh, any any final thoughts, Dan, for me before we close here? No, I'm just, just basking in the content of just basic theology and what we believe and just enjoying the power of the gospel this morning as we record. So um, that's it for me. I, I, don't, I don't really have anything else to add. So All right. So with that, may you go in peace and serve the Lord. Thanks for listening to Flyover Ministry. You can find, follow, and give feedback on our Instagram and Facebook pages at Flyover Ministry. You can also get in contact with us on our Gmail account, flyoverministrypodcast at gmail.com. You can find other episodes that we've recorded on iTunes and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, and please feel free to share them with a friend. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.